Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast Empowering Female Leaders for Women Who Want to Thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights, and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. I am pleased to welcome today Gina Rastani, who is the co-founder of Inside Out Incubator. After having spent years working in the tech industry, Gina is now on a mission to bolster gender equity in leadership. Gina, combined with her business partner, Alicia, has over 15 years of executive coaching and facilitation experience. Gina works with high growth companies on women's leadership programming. She's also one of the creators of the Rebellious Leader Program that helps women working in male-dominated industries lead powerfully on their own terms. So Gina, I love that topic because it is exactly <laughs> every, every single day. So I think to set the scene a little bit for this, what are, in your opinion, the three common, you call it, best practices that actually come oh. back in their careers? There are many best practices that are outdated. I think we can probably all agree on that. And a few years ago, my business partner and I got organized around writing down what those are. And we created this thing called the seven rules that hold women back. And it's actually a free download on our website at insideoutincubator.com. And what we did there was we are in the very fortunate position of being able to listen to thousands and thousands of women every year. And based on what we heard, we started to get to surface themes around what are some of the common sticking points that we keep hearing. And so from that, we developed this guide that is the seven rules that hold women back. We say rules, but what they really are are just beliefs and best practices that we hang on to as rules because we think, oh, we need to do this to get ahead. So the top three that we hear most common are, okay, first one is only after I have more credibility. So only after I have more credibility will I be ready for the promotion or the job title change or to speak up in that meeting. And then the second one is, I have to prove I've earned it. So after, and you'll see these are all connected. So after I've finally gone ahead and I've gotten the job, I've got the promotion, I, I've spoken up in that meeting. Well, now I have to prove that I know what I'm talking about. I have to prove that I've earned my right to be here. And then we end up in this push-pull cycle, which brings us to rule number three, emotions are unproductive. And so because I have to prove myself, I'm going to squash all the inconvenient emotions. I'm going to work through burnout and exhaustion and ignore all my body cues that are telling me to slow down because, and now back to rule number one, only after I have more credibility will I be able to take on less. I see. That is exactly what I see happening with so many women. What has happened exactly to myself as well in my own Yeah. Which one? Is there one that resonated with you? I would say it's about the emotions because I'm a very intuitive person 
And seen in a male-dominated world, which doesn't mean that you have a majority of men working there, you can have a majority of women and it's still male-dominated because we all follow the same male codes <laughs> at work. That's exactly right. That's yeah, exactly. I always had that feeling that bringing up an argument or an opinion, for example, that is only based on a gut feeling, I, I don't bring it up because usually you're asked about solid facts why you're coming up with this opinion. Yeah, what what is it? The data. Yeah, the, the data. data. Exactly. <laughs> and not having data because the data is your gut feeling. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's not very convincing. And I found that very difficult because I'm very intuitive and I always felt what was right or wrong, what was promising, what was not. Even before sending an email, sometimes I felt it's not right to send it out like that. Something's wrong and I didn't do it and I sent it later differently and then it worked. So I think trusting our intuition is a big, big part in becoming an authentic female leader and building on our own true capacities and true strengths and not on those that others want to see. Absolutely. I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, emotions get such a bad rap because, and of course there's sort of, there's sexism and bias and stereotyping women as being overly emotional that is all wrapped up into this, which is one of the reasons we feel like we can't, you know, we can't trust our emotions. No, 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 don't touch bad, not, you know, not useful in a business context. But the reality is we make emotional decisions all the time. Marketers know this. It's actually a, a very regular practice in the business world. And if you think about, to your point, Ulrika, think about the last time you went against some gut feeling or intuition you had and how that worked out for you. One of the things that we work on in part of our leadership programs is actually increasing your relationship with your intuition because everybody experiences a little bit different. And so like, how do I experience my intuition? Is it in my gut? Is it more in my chest? Is it a tingling in the back of my neck? For me, I get it in um, like words. I'm like, oh, a word will really stick out to me. And I'll be like that, that's it. And I'll know this is like very weird. It's hard to describe, but it's one of the reasons we encourage women to really get curious about how do they experience their intuition or um, gut knowing, so to speak. What would you recommend women when they have a strong gut feeling and they know that they can rely on it, but do not dare express it in the workplace? What do you tell them? Stop, look and listen. This is advice that we get as children in the States about crossing the street. <laughs> Stop, look and listen. And to actually think of it like a traffic signal and it has information for you. The first thing to do is become aware that you're having one. So that's why I suggest the first step is like get curious about how do you experience these intuitive hits? And then once you build that, sort of awareness level, you can start to act on what it's guiding you to do. Sometimes we get big emotional hits that are like, whoa, you know, waves, ocean waves of information. And other times it's much more subtle. It's just an inkling. And building your muscle of awareness is really key in supporting you and building a stronger relationship with it so that you can take action on it. Which is for many, I think, the opposite of what they're doing at work when they try to fit into this 
way of being that is very fact-driven, very analysis-driven, data-driven, where we do exactly the opposite than at the end and, and do not listen to it anymore and unlearn even to listen to the strength that I guess men have that as well, but they just have even more difficulties to take it out. So Absolutely. Absolutely. The rules, I'm like doing air quotes here, exist in the system and they impact all of us. And actually the truth is they feel like crap to all of us and they impact us in different ways. And as women, we're socialized that emotions are okay. And then we hit the workplace and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. And then men have a different socializing, at least in Western culture. But the truth is that everybody suffers because it means that we can't show up as our whole selves to work. An emotion, having an emotional life in an inner world is foundational to the human experience. And thoughts trigger our emotions, emotions trigger our actions, our actions trigger our results. And most people only look into actions trigger the results because that's tangible. Right. Yeah. We like to think of ourselves as highly logical beings, right? Exactly. (laughs) And the truth is we are highly emotional beings. And And that's okay. And it's a great gift. And how can we leverage emotions? How can we include them to include more of ourselves? And use those to inform the actions that we take, the way that we lead, the choices we make around our careers, ignoring them. I mean, actually, I'll give you a logical rationale. Ignoring emotional inputs is ignoring a big informational source. So it's actually a less logical decision if you, you know, kind of cut off part of the information you're getting. So it's about leveling up our profile when we add yeah. on deliberately this emotional level to it and not only the fact-driven one. Yeah. yeah. And it's important to say like, and that's hard. There are clues all around us that say, don't do this. So if you are trying to do this and trying to find a way to do it, know that the reason it feels hard or scary or challenging is not because it's not worthwhile or it's not scary. It is scary. Because it's less uh, socially acceptable. And that's exactly why we need to stretch outside of our own personal comfort zones to ultimately start to shift the system. Which you can do when everybody starts doing this step by step and have a change in the corporate world of what is seen as a good leader, because there's so many facets and shades to it. But most of exactly. the time, companies see one facet, one shade, one type of leader. You all have the same stereotype in our minds somehow. Yeah. We need to get away from yeah. this to create cr- true diversity and to leverage this famous potential that all companies want to leverage. Yes. They only focus on one potential all the time. Exactly. And you know what the truth is, is when I ask women, you know, about leaders they admire, the answers that they give, it's never, oh, the one who has it all put together. Oh, the one who doesn't show emotions. That expression of leadership is not compelling to most people. The truth is leaders who are in touch with their emotions, leaders who are human are actually the most, the ones we are most compelled and attracted to. Largely speaking, I mean, think about someone in your world who you admire the most. What do you see them doing? What's their relationship with with their emotional world? Are they exhibiting perfect logical behavior 100% of the time? I doubt it. 
And so the idea that being a leader who includes emotions is not safe, not compelling, any of those things, it's, it's just not true. That makes me think about one of these limitations that women often set themselves, which is very strong related to their self-criticism, the expectations they have uh, towards themselves, a high level of even perfectionism for some. And that Absolutely. brings me to other points that you mentioned before, when you said only after I have the credit, for example, for something, if you can come back to this limiting belief that you cannot do something before you have something else. I also have clients who have two MBAs because yeah. she thought, yeah. or she couldn't have one with one and so yeah. because she's not qualified enough. So we, we have this phenomenon that women are overqualified, heavily qualified, and still think that it's not enough. How are you helping these women to get over this inner barrier which they set themselves? So the first thing that we say is, and you're right, we do this all the time and it is such a trap. It's a trap because we keep moving the goalposts. So the first question I ask is, and I encourage you to ask you know, yourself if you're finding yourself in this position of, well, I'll be ready when? Well, I'll be ready when? I mean, for me, it happened. I'll be ready to start my business when? Um, I'll be ready to work with this high profile client when. And it's sort of an ambiguous answer. And so the first thing to do is to get like, make it tangible for yourself. So, okay, exactly when? One year, two years, three years, and why? What will you have one year, two years from now that you don't have now? Credibility includes a lot of things. Like, yes, there's degrees and sort of educational factors that prove credibility, but there's also qualifications, lived experience, all these other facets of our lives. And so the first tip that we give to bust this only after I have more credibility trap is if you find yourself telling yourself that, stop <laughs> and write down 50 reasons that you are absolutely qualified right now for that thing. And if you're having trouble coming up with 50, bonus tip here, include people you love in the creation of that list. 50 reasons I am qualified right now and see how you feel about it after looking at it through that lens. It's also helpful, I think, in that situation to change the perspective. Like you said, look also through the lens of someone who loves you or look uh, at you through the lens of someone who is a colleague who really admires you. Then I went ask people what their strengths are. You know, many come up with, with a certain list, a list they always had in mind forever already most of the time, which is a pretty limited list. Yeah, If you ask them to come up with your weaknesses, the list is long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really helpful to change the perspective. If you're not able to admit to yourself how good you're at something, And change yeah. perspective and, and imagine someone else is asked what you're good at and write down the answers, what this person probably will say. And most people, by doing that, even if it comes out of their own head, are surprised what they're writing down because they can't believe it. and say, yeah, they only say that because they don't know me very well. And I said, maybe they know you better than you do because they don't filter out all the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that is such, oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. Another one of these 
quote unquote rules in the top seven rules that I didn't name is let my work speak for itself. The problem with that, and it's related to, to what you're saying is if we don't see it, if we don't see it for ourselves, our hard work and our brilliance, nobody else is going to see it. I wish that that weren't the case, but everyone is, is lost and sometimes hypnotized in their own worlds in their own proving and credibility cycles. And so the first step is to really own and claim your gifts, strengths, and talents, and then ultimately give voice to them. Because again, if you don't, nobody else will. And by the way, that includes not just professional wins and accomplishments and strengths, that includes in the realm of your whole life. If you are a mom, if you are a caretaker for someone, there are strengths that you have that you've gained from your lived experience that are just as worthy and valuable as your professional experience. Yeah, and in many countries of the world, we don't see that at all. I had a talk a year ago with a lady in Sweden. She moved basically from Central Europe to Sweden. And Sweden is one of these countries very well known for true gender equity and seeing things really differently. And she said, it's not a myth, it's really like that. And one of the reasons is that they see the capacity of managing a family, not as something that is a weakness in the sense, oh, she has not enough time and she has to run away when the child is ill and these kind of things. Because on the one hand, men do that as much as women in that country. But the other thing is they really see that this is a different qualification. It's a true, you're a real crisis manager and you learn so much more. Yes, yes absolutely. I think we should normalize putting motherhood on resumes. <laughs> Yeah, because people don't see that aspect. Yeah, they only see the aspect of the availability for the job, but never see the aspect of the whole extended way of managing different situations, unexpected situations, all of what they want them to do at work, finally, but which many people never experience at work or when they experience it, they're not prepared because they haven't lived it really in another area of their life. This is, in our definition, this is leadership, being the leader of your world and career in the way that, that we work with leadership, it's really about being a leader of your life, your whole life and your world. And the opportunities to practice and live into your leadership are not limited to the work realm. And often some of the most satisfying ways to experience and express leadership are, on, are in ways outside of the workplace. There's being a leader in your relationships, there's being a leader in at home, there's being a leader in your community, and, and of course at work. So it's really leadership is, is such a, uh, the opportunities again to practice and step into it are, are beyond just something like having an executive title. You, you don't have to have, you don't have to be in a C-suite to be a leader. Everyone is a leader now, today. It's, the, it's a verb, it's something you step into, it's not a title. And embracing this understanding of yourself is very important. You yeah. said another thing that brings me again to one of your three points, which you said before, which is about the proof, <laughs> the proof that you have oh. a specific role, that you have has led a specific project to the very end with the full success. Yeah, whatever, the yeah. proof. What's your opinion and attitude about waiting to have the proof before you do something else, something bigger, stepping to a big challenge in what we always wanted to do, for example? 
You're going to be waiting a long time. Here's the thing about proving. It comes from the place of you're not enough. And in some ways that you don't belong. And until you've proven otherwise, you are in a place of lack, basically. And that is a really painful way to orient yourself to the world. And and I I say that I say yourself, but I've done it too. I can easily think I've got to prove something to other people or prove something to myself as a business owner. And my experience with that is that it's, it's painful and has me think I'm coming from behind. And so what I remind myself of and what we work with the women who join our programs to do is to start to practice coming from a place of inherent enoughness. You are enough, you have enough, you're doing enough. And I know those are nice words, easier said than done. But here's, you know, one one way to sort of get yourself out of that cycle is you can reflect on two questions. The first is, what does the world want from me? What does the world want from me? And then the next question is, what do I want for my world? And start to notice the gap between the two and orient yourself to the second question. Have your actions be decided by the second question. What do I want for my world? And if it's belonging, acceptance, enoughness, you can align around that as opposed to proving. The world wants you to prove yourself. Is that what you want for yourself? Which is a major shift in the way you think about yourself. I also believe that authentic leadership, being yourself at the workplace, not leaving half of your personality at the doorstep, um, comes along with a lot of self-acceptance. You need to first know who you are and understand who you truly are, who you also want to be, because it's not set in stone. If you realize, oh, I'm a person with a very low self-confidence, then you might not want to stay that person. You might want to work on that and evolve into a different direction. So it's also about creating this idea of another more powerful self that Mm -hmm. then can stand up for her ideas in the workplace, for her opinions, for her emotions, whatever's behind that. And by this, you will feel just so much more integrity in what you're doing. And suddenly there's another level of satisfaction of your outcome at work as well because what I experienced from my own experience and I did because I didn't do that in my corporate career I was really successful yeah but not in yeah the- yeah sure. <laughs> successful on paper I proved it yay I have credibility yay and why do I feel so hollow inside <laughs> exactly exactly yes. and that is exactly the point that you can achieve a lot of great things at work yeah you can achieve a nice title a nice salary and sure. you might want all of that and that's okay sure. but the thing is if you believe it makes you happy alone, you're wrong because it will only make you happy if you do this in a way that is in integrity with who you truly are. If you do it by playing a role, you will always, always be extremely self-critical because you will never feel whole. And the other thing is that 
you will lose so much energy in playing this role. You will lose so much connection with other people because you, you have like a shield around you all the time by being wary of how you act, what you say, how you move and how you position yourself literally physically also in the workplace, that you will lose the connection with other people because you can't listen anymore. You you can't really feel how they are. You don't get the vibes. You lose your, how do you say, you lose also this, this talent of feeling the intangible things and taking this information in your favor to take the right decisions, to say the compelling things because you have them all, but you can't listen to it anymore because you are shielded away by yourself. And yeah. getting the shield down, that's the whole secret. <laughs> it is. It is. That's also leadership is working with the shield, having it come down. Brene Brown talks about it as strong back, soft front. There is, yes, there's self-authority and knowing who you are and the importance of open-heartedness and permeability. And you're so, I, I agree with you so wholeheartedly around knowing, grounding yourself in who you are is really, is such an intrinsic part of understanding how you want to lead, what leadership your way looks like. The first thing we do in the Rebellious Leader Program is we do a lot of work around uncovering values. And we source those values from all different places in a person's life. And what emerges is that each individual or work with groups of 30 women has their own unique flavor of what they value and what brings them alive. And then we spend the rest of the course practicing how to express that, those things as a leader. And so you have, imagine like these 30 wildflowers <laughs> in a field leading on their own terms. It's, it's beautiful. And at Inside Out, we think the world needs more of that. I had a, a recent talk, the, the episode just before, where it was a very successful business lady and she checks every single decision she makes against her four values systematically. It was really great. I have my values and all of that, but I don't use them every day, not consciously. She does that. And I think there is a lot in there because it helps you to, first of all, understand who you are and where you want to go, what's acceptable for you, what's not. It helps to take sometimes decisions against the mainstream because you know why. If something goes wrong, then at least you know why. And you say, yeah, but it was okay because that, that was worth it for me to do That's something. exactly right. It's not tied to outcome. So even if you don't get what you want, so let's say you have a value of, I'm going into this job interview and I really want the job. And you know, I am going to lean into my value of strength. That is going to show up in how you talk about yourself. It's going to show up in how you connect or present with the other person. And even if you don't get the job, of course, it'll be disappointing. And to be able to say, you know what? I really honored my value of strength in that experience. It gives you a different sort of litmus test outside to, to feel some level of satisfaction and like you can feel at peace or resolved with what whatever transpires because you're acting in alignment with who you want to be in the world. And the truth is we can't control outcomes. We're not fully responsible whether they choose to, in this case, give us the job or not. We are responsible for what we value, 
for our actions, for our intentions. And when we are living in alignment with our values, it's like, that is a recipe for fulfillment. It's not the shiny trophy job for most people. Sometimes it is that can be deeply fulfilling and rewarding having the shiny high profile trophy job. In my experience with most leaders I work with, when people have those shiny trophy jobs and are not able to be their full selves, it is not a fulfilling experience. We need to be practicing being our full selves all along the way as we go about creating our wildly successful careers for ourselves. Because it goes hand in hand. It's not like you choose that and you will not have a career. You choose that and your career will unfold in a different way. It will unfold yes. maybe slower in the beginning, but I yes. think it takes quite some speed afterwards because once you are really settled and really grounded into this true personality, then yeah. you get to a power that you could not even imagine before. And you wonder why the hell hasn't I done that earlier? Yeah, right. Well, you know, I'll tell you why. Because we learn early on that to navigate our careers based on what am I good at? Where are my talents? And that's in the early stage of our, of our career, it's really informed by the outside in. So what am I good at? What are my talents? Where can I get ahead? Where am I going to have a stable living for myself? All of those indicators. And we sort of, you know, track those breadcrumbs and we garnish a, a, a bunch of success for ourselves. It works. We do it because it works. And then there's often a point in our career, and this happens for men and women, where we reach a crossroads or a plateau or a ceiling, something like this. And we find that the old way of navigating our career isn't working. I mean, we're still getting ahead and making money and having a decent living, but something isn't fulfilling us. We're not sure where to take it or where to go with it, but like, there's just something there's, we know there's something more. I want you to know this is normal. What's happened is you've outgrown the old way of navigating your career. You've stepped into a new paradigm. And instead of asking yourself, what am I good at? Where can I succeed? You know, what's the model? What's, what mentor's steps can I copy? You now are at a place where you want to ask yourself a different question. And it starts, and of course, our company is called Inside Out. It starts from the inside out rather than the outside in. And you ask yourself questions like, what do I find energizing? What's missing in my life that would have me be more fulfilled? If I weren't busy proving myself, where would I be putting my hard work and creative energy? These are the questions you want to stick with long enough to see what opens up for you. Because the more you continue to look outside of yourself for those answers, the less likely you are to actually end up in a situation that satisfies you. And that's what we do in our programs. Where can people learn more about your programs? I'm so glad you asked. At our website at insideoutincubator.com. And we will also put this link, obviously, into our show notes. I thank you very much, Gina, for this wonderful discussion. We could have going on forever because this topic yeah. is so vast and it's so much worth investing in it. 
as we do as coaches and trainers, but also for every single woman out there. And you can all do and you all can make this difference within yourself to have a life that you really love to live. So that's my last word in this podcast. So thank you, Tina, for joining. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for bringing women together in conversation to empower and inform one another. It's beautiful. Do you want to get free access to my ebook Top 10 Achievers Lessons? To get your free ebook, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Then send me a screenshot of your review to my email address contact at ulrikaseminati.com and I will send you your ebook straight away. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. I am excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.